I thank the witness for your testimony. The chair will now recognize members for five minutes for questions. And I will be going first, and I'm going to uh, direct my first question to Mr. Dustin Klatouche. Um, you stated in, you, you mentioned in your statement that your tribe felt fortunate to have been able to secure enactment of a bill in the 117th Congress to allow the tribe to enter into leases up to 99 years. Was time of the essence in getting that bill passed, and why did the tribe need to get it done during the last Congress? First and foremost, we wanted to keep the interests of the uh, two outside entities that had approached us about uh, warehouse projects. The more time that passed, the more uh, likely that outside businesses will lose interest or look elsewhere. Also, we wanted to keep the option open to begin construction, construction during the construction season in our area, which is uh, April to October. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you for that. I'd like to also question Mr. Rupnik. Um, you testified in favor of establishing a new process for acquiring lands under tribal jurisdiction in restricted fee status. Do you believe that restricted fee land status would be more efficient for the federal government as well as for the tribal governments? Yes, I do. And part of that is uh, that uh, tribes can assume jurisdiction over those lands immediately and thereby reducing resources needed from the federal government to um, manage and apply those lands there. Um, right now, um, as I stated in my testimony, we had uh, uh, fee status, uh, application for a trust status that took over 14 years to be able to get that done for us to try and uh, uh, enhance our, our operation, our class three gaming operation. Um, with the uh, federal government, BIA, Department of Interior, uh, going through all the different assessments and everything else and, and just essentially stonewalling a lot of this stuff, that's what really uh, hinders tribes when they're trying to, to build economic development within the reservation. So um, being able to reduce a lot of that paperwork, being able to reduce those, uh, those areas that are required by oversight from regulations or unneeded regulations would definitely benefit the tribe and help reduce those costs. Thank you. Well, that makes sense. Um, and I'm, I'm surprised at the amount of time that you've referenced in your testimony as to what it took to be able to develop and work forward, move forward with those projects. Um, Ms., uh, Mr. Robinson, uh, in 2016, Congress enacted the Indian Trust Asset Reform Act, which you referred to, and among several things, it authorized a demonstration project in which Indian tribes may be authorized to negotiate to assume management and control of its non-mineral trust assets under a plan approved by the Secretary of Interior. And under the ITERA demonstration project, your tribe took over some forest management activities, I understand. Can you tell the committee specifically what activities this includes and how ITERA works? Yes, thank you for the question. 
So the forest management activities that the tribe assumed are those same forest management activities that are listed under the National Indian Forest Resource Management Act. So these include things like timber sales, timber permits, prescribed burn plans, uh, forestry enterprise agreements, and other authorities that would generally be approved under the BIA through the National Indian Forest Resource Management Act. And the way that ITARA works is that as, as tribes uh, assume responsibility under the demonstration project, they're able to take on those authorities that the Bureau of Indian Affairs had been performing on behalf of the tribe and so now those decisions are being made by the tribal government under tribal rules and regulation as opposed to federal rules and regulations. Okay, wonderful. Thank you for that. And finally, Ms. Waveline, you commented and didn't testified about the need for infrastructure and the impact that a lack of roads has for the rural community that you represent, the rural tribes. Uh, is the federal government involved in all of the decisions related to road building on your reservation? Yes, on behalf of the Thonautam Nation, the roads program is a BIA roads program. And so the, not only the state, but the federal uh, roads that consist on the Thonautam Nation, so the bureaucracy that that does create for getting approvals and partnerships. I know that the nation um, has stepped up to try to remedy some of the impacts on the, the roads, but because of liability issues, um, we are prohibited from pursuing any of those endeavors in addressing the potholes, the cracks in the road, and our bridges and whatnot. And so it becomes uh, a liability issue if the nation is to continue to address those needs. And so it's the BIA um, at the federal level that is uh, technically responsible for the roads on the Taunautam Nation. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Thank you all for your, your uh, testimony and responding. The chair now recognizes the ranking minority member for her questioning. Thank you, Chairwoman Higgerman, and thank you to the witnesses for your testimony. Uh, Vice Chairwoman uh, Saunders, uh, thank you very much for your testimony that laid out the multiple uh, uh, obstacles that tribes face, especially in, in rural areas. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about uh, financing and access to capital and workforce development. Uh, what uh, do you think are the biggest financing obstacles for tribal small, small businesses on rural reservations? So for businesses on the Thonautam Nation, for whether it be tribal members or anyone wanting to partner in uh, providing um, services to the Thonautam Nation, we're about a good hour, maybe 50 mile drive from the nearest city. And so having to travel the roads and um, looking at the investment um, in regards to their products of services has is, is been a challenge because of the technical um, availability of services and education. And for them to invest in, in our community based on the distance between the nearest city. And so the challenges that, that not only our members face for products that are readily available, but for those individuals and businesses that do have these products and investing and traveling to our community and what it all entails, and more so today with the economy and the prices of all the products, it hits us on our reservation because of the delivery of services and, and the fees and how expensive it is. So it's really important to invest in small businesses at the community level, but also for those business off the nation to really look at their investments and, and not push it off onto our tribal members. Uh, so more funding availability to all businesses at all level will, will benefit. It's a win-win situation. Thank, Thank you. you. And uh, 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 Chair, Chairman uh, Wapnick, uh, in the discussions about the uh, uh, a restricted fee status. I want to just clarify. Uh, 
the intent is to ensure that the land remains subject to tribal jurisdiction, uh, n not to state jurisdiction, mm -hmm. no uh, state uh, taxation. So if what you're trying to do, is it correct, is to make a process that is more streamlined for it to be come into um, uh, a restricted status, uh, but that you retain full jurisdiction over the land. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, when, you, when you go through the uh, trust application process, and, and some of the experience that, that we have had or, or realized over the last few years kind of depends on the local jurisdiction and who's elected into there. So when we apply for land into trust that goes through the state, then the county, and, and all those different agencies can offer up objections to that, whether that land goes into trust. One of the biggest reasons why is because um, they realize that land comes off of their tax rolls. So they do everything that they can to make sure that those lands that are held in fee status are still taxable for the longest amount of period of time. Um, that causes a lot of delay because then you're fighting with county, state governments to be able to move that process forward. Then you've got all of the other uh, regulations that are coming down from Department of Interior um, environmental assessments, so on and so forth, that, that really limits the tribe's ability to do anything on that land, where if a streamlined process were 90 days, that land is, is purchased and moved into a restricted fee status, then the tribes could immediately start developing lands or whatever uh, businesses that they wish to pursue in that, on that piece of property. Thank you. And Chairman uh, Klartouche, you, in your written testimony, you did mention your, because uh, uh, five minutes goes real fast, uh, the, the idea of expanding the By Indian Act. Uh, would you also recommend that we expand the ability of tribes to compact and contract uh, outside of the two agencies that are limited to? I, I assume, does everybody have, I think everybody on this panel has either compacts or contracts, and you would, would you all agree you'd love to have those expanded to the other agencies? Uh, maybe uh, we'll start with Chairman uh, Klatouche. Uh, the Buy Indian Act, as currently drafted, only applies to the Bureau of Indian Affairs and the Indian Health Service. The Department of Defense is not included, Mm -hmm. in the By Indian Act, and I believe that expanding the act to include the Defense Department would benefit all tribes. Okay, thank you. Uh, and uh, uh, maybe I'll go straight over to uh, uh, Mr. Robinson. What do you think about expanding By Indian and compacting contracting? So I can't speak to uh, the By Indian, but I can say that anytime we have an opportunity to expand the compact authorities for tribes, uh, it allows tribes to have a lot more opportunity for self-governance and uh, streamlining of process and procedures. So thank you very yes. much, and I yield back. Thank you. The, child, uh, the chair now recognizes uh, Mr. Lamolfa from California. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair, and congratulations on your on your role here. Looking forward to it. So thank you. Um, appreciate the panel from your uh, time and travel to uh, be here and be part of this here today and express your uh, firsthand concerns with, with, the, with the processes here we have with the um, I share your frustration as well um, on getting permitting done to do some of the other things we need to do in my rural Northern California district, such as uh, timber harvest, salvage after fire, water storage, many, many years involved. So we're all right in the same boat on that. And we're, we're looking to find reliefs 
relief for uh, you all and uh, other tribes around the country on being able to do basic things, economic things that are good for your membership and, and such. So um, let me, and, and it was expressed a couple times too, the, the, the amount of time it takes and also the effort. Now we're here to legislate, so it's our jobs. We have nothing to complain about, but when an individual tribe, for example, we have cases where um, uh, there's surplus lands being held by a federal entity and a tribe nearby is interested in that, you know, taking it off their books and put it into play. We've had those, we have more prospects up in my district too for tribes interested in that. But it requires an entire piece of legislation to move at whatever pace it moves through, hopefully within a two year cycle in Congress. And that's gotta be frustrating because it's year after year after year or recognition for tribes here that uh, you know have had their recognition, recognition taken away in the past. So I get how frustrating that is and there needs to be uh, uh, a lot more streamlining to get where you need to go. So uh, uh, Vice uh, Chairwoman Saunders, um, you were talking about your, uh, your lands there in Arizona a little bit and you have in your purview 734 miles of, of roads that are under BIA jurisdiction to keep spiffed up and and obviously from your testimony they're not spiffy so is uh what, what kind of progress they make year in year out and is there an entity within the tribe for example does the tribe have its own construction company that it could be doing that on its own with the right kind of funding thank you for the question on behalf of the thonaut nation we have a uh, BIA roads program. We have a uh, department of uh, planning and economic development that works hand in hand with the BIA roads program. And so looking to address that, the bureaucracy that it does create for the funding, you know, channeling the funding through, through the BIA and getting the approvals, the time that that in itself takes, but definitely our uh, planning program has really, um, improved in regards to addressing all of the grants that are available, all of the funding cycles that come through year in, year out, uh, the time that it takes to actually get that funding and a contract in place to address the roads on, on our nation is years behind. And so I know how that- many, How many miles of road have been done, let's say in the last three years, do you think? Just rough guess. Less than 100 miles. Less than 100? Yes. Is that upgrading from perhaps dirt Main, roads and Maintenance and upgrades, and it's also in collaboration with some funding that came through CPP because we do have Border Patrol that utilizes our roads as well, and mm -hmm. so partnering with them to address and seek funding, but also having to still go through the whole BIA um, process. Uh, quickly, uh, on, on your water situation, are you on well water, or do you draw, I, I'm not quite sure where you are, in proximity, do you use Colorado River water for any purpose? Or are you all well water? Or what, what, what's your source? Uh, we are a part of the Colorado River, but we do have well, so, uh, well source on the Donut Nation that delivers water to all of our majority of our communities. Okay, thank you. Let me shift to uh, Mr. Robinson from Cow Creek here. Um, what, what, what are you know? We, we talked about the three different styles of how land can be in. Uh, fee or uh, trust or a restricted fee, what do you find are the, are, is gonna be the most workable for you long-term? You're just up the road from me a little bit and, uh, and, and the various things, 
that you're trying to accomplish economically? What's going to be the best tool for you? Great. Thank you for that question. You know, really, I think having a variety of options on the table for the tribe to select from is important. And so I think, as, as I said in my testimony today, having restricted fee available um, for us as an option, uh, which we don't currently have as an option, is something we're very interested in. And, and one of the challenges is obviously the taxation with the state, but also having additional authorities for us to manage those fee lands and provide potential business opportunities, it's extremely important. Uh, trust lands, as we continue to work through the uh, things like the Indian Trust Asset Reform Act, the Hearth Act, we're able to bring on more regulations and things within the tribal government, which makes things more streamlined, but trust lands continue to be a challenge for us as well, especially getting through the fee-to-trust process. It's so hard, it's so hard. Yeah. For other three panelists, real fast, yes or no, are all three options really important to you for, for the other three here? Yes? Yes. Yes, yes. okay, yes. Th thank you. Sorry, there's not more time. Thank you, Madam Chair, you'll back. Thank you. Uh, the chair now recognizes Ms. Gonzalez-Colón from Puerto Rico. Thank you, uh, Madam Chair, and, and congratulations of chairing this, this committee. Happy to be here. And thank you all the witnesses for, for being, being here today. Um, I was, you know, I was reading all the information regarding uh, this hearing, and I was very surprised at the multiple levels of restrictions, uh, you got to use your own land. Uh, and in that sense, even if it's a trust land, fee land, or restricted fee land, uh, at the end, I believe that uh, land is the most important resource you have uh, for economic development, for social, cultural issues. And when you got all those restrictions, there's no way uh, you can succeed. So I'm happy this committee is doing this hearing uh, to see how we can expedite and allow uh, all the tribes to use their land. Uh, and, and we're talking about American Indians and of course uh, Alaskan natives as well. So one of the questions will be, um, in, in 2000, when I was reading the, the, the testimonies, um, Chairman uh, Kladush, uh, you said that uh, your tribe led efforts to repeal the prohibition on alcohol manufacturing on, on, on Indian lands. Coming from Puerto Rico, we produce a lot of alcohol and rum, so I know how important that is. Um, so in your testimony, you mentioned that the tribe opened it up, uh, opened it, its uh, talking cedar brewery and distillery in 2020 and during the pandemic. And, and my, my question will be how you're dealing with that at this time. Uh, and uh, and is, is there something, uh, regarding the Buy American, Buy Indian Act, uh, that your interest in selling products from this distillery uh, to the nearby uh, military base? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the distillery and the restaurant have been doing pretty, uh, pretty good uh, since we've opened them. Uh, during the pandemic, the restaurant was one of the few restaurants open uh, in the area, and we received a significant amount. But uh, yes, we uh, joint base loose, McCord, yes. And, and you were working to that end uh, with the military base to sell your products using uh, the uh, Buy Indian Act uh, to get all those pro products coming from the distillery to that place, right? Yes. Okay. Um, um, uh, what other challenges you have? Uh, uh, to create economic development in your lands? Uh, for Shayla, one of the biggest issues is staffing at the Bureau of Indian Affairs. 
uh, before, during, and especially after the pandemic, uh, there just are, aren't enough people uh, in the Northwest region, regional office to uh, process routine approvals and tasks. Uh, most of the staff continues to telework, which for a long period of time, the Northwest regional office did not have a contracting officer. Uh, so we cannot get our uh, 638 contracts approved. The same goes for approval of businesses, business leases, right-of-ways, and other routine matters. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Uh, Robinson, um, in your written testimony, uh, you call on this committee to pursue opportunities to expand the use of restricted freelance across in the Indian country, including creating administrative process for this land designation. Um, what should be the proposal and how expanding the use of those restricted freelance could help spur economic activity uh, in, in your area. So what specific things we can do here to allow that growth from happening? Great, I appreciate that question. So I think one of the things that we need to look at is how do we give access to this restricted fee classification to all tribes as a tool in their toolbox to manage fee lands uh, subject to, or limited, uh, li without uh, having the tax burden and um, without alienation, right? And so I think the restricted fee status, what that provides for Cow Creek is another option for us to look at those fee lands, hold that title for the tribe and use additional regulations and opportunities through tribal laws and regulations working with Congress to provide more efficient opportunities for economic development. Um, it's an option we don't have in our toolbox right now and I think is an option that uh, we need to, to be able to look at uh, different opportunities for economic development. Thank you. And my last question will be to Mr. Uh, Rupnik. Um, you say in your testimony that you've been almost 22 years since um, your tribe's uh, retail shopping pl uh, plaza project has been in the works and it's not been completed yet. If you can look back and, and see uh, in the on the planning stage, uh, how will, how what other things you have changed uh, in, in terms of the, those planning to accommodate uh, the long time wait uh, for, the, for, for that uh, retail plaza to open um, or the use of the land? I think part of that is, you know, just the uh, uh, strict interpretation on some of the regulations that are put in place that tribes are forced to uh, work with. Um, that would also include um, the Non-Intercourse Act, which I think needs to be revised as well, too, because there's a strict uh, interpretation on that. So if tribes go out and purchase fee simple land and they can't develop it or they can't do anything with it, then you almost have to have a piece of legislation to allow tribes to be able to sell that to recoup whatever dollars they got already invested into that as well. Um, but. Um, some of that process that we have right now is, is uh, um, of course, you know, it, it's, it's just a huge bureaucracy when it comes to uh, land into trust. And um, being able to streamline that process through the Department of Interior would help tribes uh, tremendously when they're moving either into restricted fee or even that trust process that gives them that option of how they want to uh, handle those lands. Thank you, sir. My time expired. Uh, I yield back. Thank you. The chair now recognizes Ms. Stansberry from New Mexico. 
All right. Well, good morning, everyone. And thank you, Madam Chairwoman. I also want to congratulate you on your chairmanship and welcome you to the committee and also to the ranking member and my sister from New Mexico. And also, I want to welcome all of our tribal leaders who are here, not only on the panel, but in the audience and also tuning in today. Thank you for traveling and thank you for being here with us today. Um, I'm Melanie Sansbury and I represent New Mexico's first congressional district, which is proudly home to a number of tribes and pueblos in New Mexico. New Mexico, of course, is home to 23 federally recognized tribes and pueblos. And the first thing that I wanna just acknowledge is that while we're here to talk about economic development opportunities, our tribes and pueblos are already economic powerhouses in New Mexico and are, in fact, among some of the largest employers and generators of income in the state. In fact, amongst our tribes and pueblos, uh, 19 of our, our 19 pueblos generate over half a billion dollars in revenue alone every year in our state and employ over 11,000 people statewide. These enterprises are vital not only to our tribal communities, but also to our local and regional and state economies and are primary sources of funding for tribal governments as our tribal leaders know here to fund vital services, including emergency services, roads, elder support, and so much more. I also want to just take a moment to highlight a couple of the Pueblos uh, and tribes that are in our district, in the first congressional district, in particular Sandia Pueblo, which is just north of Albuquerque, which is my hometown, uh, employs uh, thousands of residents living in the Albuquerque area and has quite a diversified economic portfolio and Mescalero Apache in uh, the southern portion of my district operates uh, an amazing set of enterprises around the hospitality and ski businesses, as well as another a number of other um, uh, major enterprises in southern New Mexico. But as I was listening to the testimony this morning and also uh, reading your testimony, I was struck by the number of barriers that still obviously are presented to so many of our tribal nations in terms of self-determination and nation building that extend far beyond even the conversation that we've had here today. And so, Madam Chairwoman, um, while we have made a number of huge, huge steps forward in passing the bipartisan infrastructure law, which made massive investments, hundreds of millions of dollars of investments that have not yet hit many of our communities in terms of roads, water, broadband, um, and as well as the Inflation Reduction Act, which will bring a lot of money for energy infrastructure, water infrastructure. Um, and we know that Secretary Deb Holland and our president have made a strong commitment to tribal consultation, nation building, and economic investment. Uh, I was particularly struck by Chairwoman Saunders' testimony about the many and multivariate uh, uh, um, barriers, whether it's infrastructure, broadband, all of these things. So I want to just do a quick lightning round uh, for all of our panelists because we do have limited time. Um, you know, you've presented testimony to us today, and I'm going to put you each on the spot. Uh, you know, this is an opportunity to present to all of us and to the country. If there was one thing that you could do in Congress that you personally think would have a major impact on economic development in your communities or across uh, our tribal nations, what would it be? And I'll start with uh, Mr. Klatouche. Yeah. Uh, the Bi-Indian Act. Okay, and uh, Mr. Rupnik. 
there's a couple of things. You know, uh, one of them is dual taxation. I know that 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 isn't a, a uh, area for this committee here too, but uh, yeah, restricted fee allowing allowing nations more uh, more tools in their toolbox to be able to use the land as they best see fit. Thank you, Vice Chairwoman. I would say the uh, additional funding for resources for technical assistance and um, providing education and really looking at the uh, different ways of uh, the bureaucracy such as BIA and, and, and just the process in itself to try to streamline um, those time frames and the uh, processes in itself for the benefit of all. Thank you, and Mr. Robinson. Great, thank you for the question. Um, I really think continuing to promote self-governance and tribal sovereignty by allowing tribes to manage their lands and resources according to tribal laws and regulations and tribal policies to meet tribal goals and objectives. All right, well, I'm amazed that we got through everyone. Um, obviously, this is just the first chapter of hopefully many conversations about hopefully bipartisan legislation we could advance to help support our tribal nation. So we appreciate you being here today, and thank you, Madam Chairwoman. Thank you. I want to thank the witnesses for your incredibly valuable testimony and the members for their questions. Thank you for being here today. The members of the committee may have some additional questions for the witnesses, and we will ask you to respond to these in writing. Under Committee Rule 3, members of the committee must submit questions to the committee clerk by 5 p.m. on Friday, March 3rd, 2023. The hearing record will be held open for 10 business days for those responses. If there is no further business, without a... Would you like to have a... Uh, Uh, Mr. Lamalfa from California does have a follow-up question. Okay. Thank you. I'm, uh, thanks for the indulgence on that. I, we've, we've got you here, so I'd uh, uh, like the opportunity um, for follow-up. Um, uh, Mr. Robinson from Cow Creek, um, I, I want to touch a little more on the issues of dealing with the Endangered Species Act and, uh, and timber management and such as that. So uh, what, have, what, have, what has your tribe encountered with trying to... Uh, um, deal with um, timber harvest, and I, I understand you had a demonstration project that you're looking at on um, on demonstrating better forestry practices. So, what what is the spotted owl species, for example, brought as part of a inhibiting your process there? Uh, thanks. The great question. And, you know, under ITARA, we have allowed. Uh, so we have taken over all the authorities from the Bureau of Indian Affairs. So as far as the spotted owl, we actually do on-site monitoring and uh, management of spotted owls um, under our tribal authorities. We have a tribal environmental review process that we follow now, uh, as opposed to the National Environmental Policy Act. And for our ESA compliance, because we have assumed the federal responsibility, we no longer follow Section 7 of the Dangerous Species Act. We actually fall under Section 9, the take avoidance. So we use a, a very, comp uh, a very uh, comprehensive take avoidance strategy. Uh, we also have the opportunity to develop a, a species conservation plan working with the services on tribal lands. 
Um, so really, as we look at um, tribal land management under ITARA for the tribe, uh, things have actually gotten quite easier. Um, to the question, though, on working with our adjacent federal land partners, that continues to be a challenge for us as we look at ways to reduce wildfire risk, uh, increase forest resilience and forest health. Um, we have to find a way to work around um, the Endangered Species Act and, and, and other uh, environmental laws that uh, are set in place for obviously good reasons, um, but can be challenging and encumbersome to actually get good work done on the ground to enhance those resources. We've had massive wildfires in Northern California and Southern Oregon. Um, I had a one million acre Dixie fire, which uh, uh, affected my district. Uh, uh, you had large fires in Oregon last, uh, well, was it last year, two years ago? Doesn't matter right for right now, but did it, did it uh, come from federal land onto tribal land in, in your particular situation? And how many acres did it devastate? Yeah, so we actually lost, uh, we had a couple of fires on tribal lands immediately after um, the uh, West Oregon Tribal Fairness Act was passed and we received 17,800 acres of BLM lands back to the tribe. We had about a 3,600 acre fire that uh, took about 20% of that new ownership out. Um, that actually came on from uh, the state lands onto tribal lands and resulted in impact. Um, but here recently in the last few years, we've had several fires threatening tribal lands. So we've worked very diligently with the Umpqua National Forest to try to figure out how we alleviate the potential threat from those adjacent lands onto tribal lands. And so uh, just a few years ago, we had the Smith Fire, which was a small fire started out 10 to 12 acres. It sat unattended for about 10 days and then blew up into about a 70,000 acre fire threatening tribal fee lands and trust lands. Uh, so we have to find a way to reduce that wildfire risk. Uh, please uh, submit some of your thoughts and watch what we're going to do in the uh, subcommittee on forestry and in the ag committee, if you would, and we'll be looking at that. Thank, uh, you. thank you, Madam Chair. Appreciate the indulgence. I'll yield back. Thank you. Excellent questions and appreciate the testimony and additional information. So again, uh, if there is no further business, without objection, the committee stands adjourned. <laughs>